welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher and yoga business coach. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy 45 minutes of training for you and your yoga business. Hey folks, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome back to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast where Nicole Valkamp and I are talking all week long about spiritual leadership. Hey Nicole, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. I love this series. We've got to say, folks, before we, before we started recording, Nicole and I were just kind of laughing about how cool it is that we get to do this and call it a job. We're having yeah. so much fun. <laughs> what a great job, really. Oh, the best. Podcasts are the best. Yeah. And just collaborating with you. I mean, we're going to have yeah. so much fun when we get to that from. Okay, so folks, today we're going to talk about uh, how to make great decisions because I know that uh, for a lot of people in my community, Nicole, I'm presuming the same for you, but jump in if I've got this wrong. Sometimes decision-making can actually be paralyzing and, and things come to a stop because we agonize over making the right choice. And then after that stage, when the decision does get made, we can agonize about the repercussions of the decision. Is that something that you come across with folks? Yes, very much so. I see decision paralysis all the time. And I think, I don't know why this keeps coming up for me, but I feel like it's another byproduct of perfectionism, which we talked about a few times already in this series. But it's like wanting to make the perfect choice as opposed to just saying, let's just make, let's just make, pick one. You know, one might not necessarily be that much better than the other, but getting paralyzed and trying to choose the perfect choice, trying to avoid any kind of negative repercussions and then nothing gets decided and can't, I mean, can't be a leader that way, right? Part of being a leader is definitely about decisiveness, I would say. Yes moving things forward. So decision paralysis I see coming up all the time. And I think it can come up in different ways. Sometimes it's as clear as I've been asked to do this thing and I don't know if I should say yes or no. Someone, one of my clients, I've been asked to be a brand ambassador of this yoga jewelry stuff and I don't know if I should do it or not. And so the, you know, the, the toll on the nervous system, the toll on the, you know, the chit of ritty that comes along with letting a decision unmade decision hang around is mm-hmm. not to be underestimated. So I think there's those binary ones. I'm actually delaying making a choice. And then there's also these ones. Another client was saying to me yesterday, we were talking about how she has had a couple of meetings with potential joint venture partners, collaborating on workshops and whatever together. And she has these really nice feeling meetings have a coffee, go for a few hours, they talk about what they have in common, they both feel really good about it, but there's nothing that actually comes of it at the end. So mm. there's the, a, a reluctance to make a decision that is right there in front of you, but I think there's also can be a reluctance to actually conclude things or bring things to a decision point. And again, yeah. that slows down the process and, and from a business perspective, keeps us stuck and kind of playing small. I think what's coming up for me is actually the the way Ayurveda and an understanding of the doshas can help understand decision-making Ooh. styles and what yours might be or what you're prone to or less prone to. You know, for me, I'm a lot of pitta. Yeah. <laughs> and as you may have noticed, and <laughs> I um, can make decisions 
sometimes too quickly because I like the clarity. I oh. like the definition. I, you know, I don't like that murky kind yep. of evaluation stage. I like things very clear. That's, I think, a, a quality of Pitta mm-hmm. as opposed to someone I know people in my family are more Vata, you know, up in the air, so many options, things swirling all over, lots of ideas, no conclusion. And then the kapha, which maybe is very deliberate or takes its time, a slower process, but also maybe it becomes very drawn out by the time you decide the opportunity is gone, something like that. So this is like, I think it's a way, just another tool for self-reflection that yoga offers us is decision-making styles and how it relates to our dosha and just starting to understand what our decision-making style is and how to how to bring yoga to help us do that you know differently or better yeah i really like that and that and that while you may understand your own tendency it's making sure that there's not a misalignment or um like a hyperextension into that tendency yeah (laughs) right i really like that oh it's got me thinking yeah, there. Uh, yeah, about miss. And then, what can I do if I realize that I'm stalling or choosing to not make a decision? What can I, knowing what I know about Ayurveda, how can I bring myself back to a balance point where I will be well placed to make that great choice? Right, right, right. And yeah. I think the, the extension of it has got to be because it's not just if I'm a leader, my fear of making a decision or my my uh, my regret of making the wrong choice doesn't just affect me it affects those people that I'm leading so the ripples on the pond are much more apparent when you're a decision maker in a leadership role Mm -hmm. yeah it's true one thing that I've started to think a lot more about I don't know how this is going to affect me as a leader exactly (laughs) but it's something I've been talking a lot to my clients about is the idea that Uh, the right or wrong, moving away from the polarities of right or wrong, making the right decision. If we take a more educational approach to things, everything is about learning and you can make one choice and you're going to learn one set of things. And actually, if the universe wants to teach you something, you can make the other choice and you'll probably learn the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Because karmically, we have things to learn, we have things to work out, right? So it's like, it almost doesn't matter. There isn't a right, you know, there's just opportunities for learning. The universe is going to teach us whatever it is we need to learn. If we're not learning the lesson, we'll get more opportunities to learn it. It'll keep coming back. I mean, most people see that and I see it in my life. I see it in my clients. You didn't learn the lesson first time it's coming back so taking some of the pressure off the decision making process of trying to make the right decision and just just maybe valuing decision making period not yeah. not the right decision not the perfect decision just making a decision that to me feels like a more yogic i don't know approach to I this love it. Thing. yeah totally us. i love it yeah, yeah. And, and from a business perspective i um i know i love what gary v says about he says he'd prefer to make 10 bad choices and three good ones than just mm. three good ones because of what you learn in the process. I think, well, I love that. Just that be a little bit what we we're talking about yesterday, being more forgiving of ourselves and just, like you said, taking it as an educational opportunity instead of, you know, this kind of um, fateful 
op- yeah. possibility of making a grievous error. <laughs> right. Moving away from right, wrong, good, yeah. bad, you know, just more being in the process of it all. That, I mean, in business, maybe that feels uncomfortable or scary because you think, oh, there's a right decision. But I'm not sure anymore after all these years in business and corporate business, my own business, two different startups. I mean, I've seen things go in so many different directions that you never could have imagined. And I just think I'm not sure they would have gone any differently with different decisions. You know what I mean? There's kind of this process that's being played out. There's things that have to be learned. And I think they're going to be learned one way or another. And if we're not learning from our mistakes or from whatever, it's not even a mistake, but if we're not learning from the outcomes of our decisions, then we're just going to keep doing the same thing. That's okay too. You might need to learn that lesson many times, but just, you know, trusting that there's a process that's being unfolded and we're doing the best we can that would alleviate, I think, some of that decision-making paralysis. I love that. I also think too, you know, think about my business and, you know, different businesses I've had in the past. The only thing that caused me to not be successful, to get into money difficulty, to not be able to serve in a way that felt good was, was um, procrastination, was, was avoiding doing anything. Mm. And that was because I wasn't making decisions. Interesting. Like you have like like for me, decision making is like chocking the wheels. If you if forward momentum is what is what we're looking for, growth is forward momentum, right? Right. I mean, you need to be chocking the wheels and making decisions. I think is is kind of how you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, what's coming to mind for me as a client who was. Um, trying to decide between all these different trainings. So, you know, there's like a free five day this, you know how it is right yep, now. Yep, like there's yep. Free five day this and a free three class this and a free. So you end up doing literally a dozen free masterclasses and then you never buy anything. So what, you know, I mean, not that you have to buy, but the purchase is the decision, right? That's where you commit to a process. That's where you say, yes. I'm in, I'm yes. in it with this person. I'm in it for this process. I'm going to take what I, what I can and apply it the best I can. And at the end of a 12 free masterclasses, I think all you are is confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not sure you're any, any closer to making a decision to be quite honest, you know, versus going from the heart, going from the gut, this resonates. I'm ready to take action. I'm just going to make a decision and go with it and let the universe take me where I need to go in this, but showing up, being willing for the process. I think being on that fence, like you were saying of procrastination, yeah. not deciding for sure. That is how I see my clients get in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. folks, uh, I'm really excited about this because Nicole and I have devised four steps. We like these things in yoga, right? We like, we like things that you can count off on your hands. Four things, uh, four, four things you need to make great decisions and full disclosure, this is also going to be a love note to you. Four reasons mm. why you should come hang out with us on retreat on the 30th of May at the Shivananda Ashram in the Bahamas. If you'd like, I don't care what your four points are. I just want to get me registered. You can go to amymcdonald.com.au forward slash leadership, but uh, we're going to tell you the points now. Anyway, so the first one in the four things you need to make great decisions, and these aren't um, these work at 
I think these are great principles for living your life and conducting your business, not just something that you need to go pull off the shelf when you need to decide something. Like if you're doing these four things all of the time, then it becomes how you conduct yourself and not so much like the triage of, oh, holy fuck, that's gone wrong. I need to do these things. So the first one is the importance of creating space, actually creating space for yourself to to be with yourself or like to have a contemplative practice that provides you the spaciousness in which to make considered, not neurotic, <laughs> considered decisions. And so, Nicole, one of the things, if we, if we do take this fully as a love note to our retreat, one of the things I'm so excited about for me personally, absolutely, and everybody else who's coming is that the, the place where we're going I mean, you could argue that the primary function of, of, of an ashram is really to create space to be with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Creating space. Well, the ashram really creates and holds. I, I kind of always laugh. You know, there's that joke about holding space that, that uh, have you seen that video where he totally makes fun of, is it JP Sears <laughs> or whatever? He totally makes fun of the term holding <laughs> So I can't like say it without laughing at myself anymore. <laughs> holding space in all yeah, seriousness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the right. ashram does hold space for us to, to do the practice. And it creates a structure of satsang. And what is satsang? Satsang is um, spiritual company in good company is what I think it kind of literally, I'm not a Sanskrit expert, but I understand satsang is meaning being in good company. Yeah. So Good company, yeah. That at the ashram, what that means is we all come together and we meditate for half an hour, and then there's half an hour of chanting, and then half an hour of teaching or music or whatever's happening that night. We already talked about how one of the nights we're gonna be there, there'll be kirtan and a really nice um, musician musical performance. So we get that as part of it. But that space happens twice a day. We have satsang every morning and satsang every evening. And that, that gives space for contemplation, right? I, I remember my time at the ashram when I stayed there for a while. I think I was there for six weeks after my teacher training. Some of my best ideas, you know, in my journal, I think the idea for my whole business five years ago was yeah. born in satsang because, I, you know, it's like you create the space for ideas and you yes. meditate and then I'm listening to the music and stuff would just come to me and I would write it down and I didn't know what I was creating at the time but all these sparks of inspiration were coming and it's like that practice creating that space. I mean, we all know retreat is a gift, right? It's a gift we give ourselves when we go on retreat and all the more so to go on retreat somewhere where that space is created and that space is being held, you know, really being held there for us. So that satsang component creating space, I think we're, we're super lucky in this retreat that we're going to have that. Yeah. And, 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 collectively declaring the importance of it and taking time for it uh, because because we all know we all know that we should be doing all of these things but it's, it's hard on your own you know yeah. it's i mean it is it's hard on your own that's why satsang is about company yeah. you know i think every spiritual even religious tradition they kind of force you to get together with other people because it's so easy not to and mm. it's so much better when you do yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel better just even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Can okay, we fast so forward? <laughs> Good. I know, we're ready. <laughs> we have to leave time for people to sign up, but true, that true. won't take very long. 
belongs in those <laughs> spaces and then and then let's get there <laughs> So that's point one. So, uh, so folks, if you just jumped on, we're talking about the four steps to making great decisions as a leader via a love note to come on retreat with us, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash leadership. Uh, Nicole and I are about to bend time and space so that it is May tomorrow. So if you want to come, get registered. Uh, so point number one was creating space. Point number two, and I just got a bit of a tongue lashing, love this, from Anna Forrest, as only Anna Forrest can do about this one as it pertains to my life, is having a clean body and mind. If you want to make great decisions, the vessel needs to be clean in which to make the decisions. How do you, if you're tired or if you're stressed or if you're hungry, oh my God, like you can't make a good decision from those places. The body mind has to be clean in order to make great decisions. So tell us about that. Tell us about all the goodness that's going to be available to us while we're away. Is that uh, Saucha, the, the purity principle as it applies? I think to so. I, yeah, I think so, yeah. right? I mean, it's definitely a yogic principle, right? Yeah. Like I, I hear them say all the time, if your house is messy, if your desk is messy, don't look at my desk right now. <laughs> 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 no one can see, but um, keeping a clean home and all of those things, a clean body, if, if we're not doing those things, how could, if the space is cluttered, the mind will be cluttered, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, on retreat, I mean, it's an ashram, so there's not tons of stuff. <laughs> It is kind of simple and basic there. And they do maintain that, you know, to kind of help us in our, in simplicity and in our move towards simplicity. I think part of keeping a, I mean, you'll, there's a clean, clean body. There'll be very good food. You know, that that's a big piece of it. What's in your mind, keeping a clean body and mind. I remember when I did my teacher training and there was no garlic or onions in the food for 28 days. And then I came back to the world after 20 days. And I mean, I could, all I could taste was garlic and everything I ate. And it was, it was such a stimulating, I mean, I still to this day, ever since that cleanse, I don't eat garlic. I don't cook with it. I don't like it. But I, before that I loved it. Mm. And not that, gar- you know, in Ayurveda, garlic is, has a lot of good properties, but for um, keeping the mind still for meditation, garlic is very rajasic, very stimulating. So they take it out while you're at the ashram. So you'll be eating food without garlic and without onions, but it's still very delicious. There's lots of other spices. <laughs> um, but also just the simplicity of the space, you know, the rooms are comfortable and simple. And I remember when I went to the ashram for the first time, I was a little shocked by the simplicity there. Um, but it, it does oh, help. I love it. it helps totally. to focus the mind. It helps yes. to concentrate. Yeah. And you know, I also think about clean body and mind in an ashram environment. Something that I love with the ashram that I go to every year is the routine. Hmm. There's something very calming and down-regulating about the routine that I go here and do that. And then I go over there and it doesn't feel cramped or full, but I never, but I'm just like in the, the, the collective motion of ashram life. I love that. It's so calming. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We're talking about decision-making as this relates to it, because I remember, um, right. Steve jobs from Apple used to try to eliminate the number of decisions he would have to make that were like inconsequential. That was why I always wore like black shirts because decision-making takes energy. Yeah. Like, so 
you know, and they say they do, they do these studies in behavioral economics where if you make, if you give someone many decisions in a row to make by the fourth, fifth, sixth decision, they're making not as good decisions. They're not computing the numbers. Like the mind's not functioning optimally when there's lots of decisions. Yeah. 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 So I'm butchering the study, but that I do remember that. So same, you know, when you have that schedule, you don't have to make decisions about where you're going or what you're wearing every, all the time. It's like that, that infrastructure is given to you and you can really just focus on the important things and letting the inspiration come and letting the mind settle and letting goddess Saraswati do her thing with bringing you the inspiration and the learning and not needing to to think about what am I cooking for breakfast? What am I cooking for lunch? What am I cooking for dinner? What do what I do I, next? Yeah. yeah. What do I do next? Where do I go? You know, all of these things are provided and, and that's a very um, nice way of organizing ourselves and our minds so that we can make better decisions around the big things, around the important things. Love. Again, just feeling great. Uh, feeling really even more excited. So, okay, number one was create the space for it. Number two was have the clean body and mind for it for decision making. Feeling great about decision making. And number three, I, oh gee, I I teach this one all the time, particularly around pricing. <laughs> is when it comes to making a decision, feel it, don't think it. Great. So, using the body wisdom more than the 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 sort of the heady kind of thinking that can be is not can be is so yeah. influenced by the inner critic conditioning society childhood whatever's so i love the idea of using your body as a decision making instrument yeah i love that i love i mean getting into the body has been such a big part of my just general practice of my life, like getting into the body and through yoga and and breath work, especially pranayama, that embodiment process. And I love the connection you're making between that and decision-making, right? Because it's like, at the end of the day, most decisions, they kind of come from our gut. They kind of come from our heart, right? At the end, it's like you can do all the lists of pros and cons you could do all the pricing analyses you want and you could you know you could make the budgets or do the things but at the end of the day if if it's not aligned with what's in your heart you can't really get fully behind it or you'll doubt yourself or you'll feel just I don't know you know how um it's a sort of icky feeling if you people describe this with pricing too for uh undercharging if they've done it all with the with the manas Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, they, they sort of feel like, oh, I think I undervalued myself. Like it feels, you know, yeah. if you tune into your body wisdom, it's a great barometer for decision making. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep practicing that one. I think I can get wrapped up in the mind. And it's always good to remember to come back to the body because the body will give the answers and very quickly, my yes. body responds so quickly, you know, sometimes yes. in decision making, like we were talking about, you can start agonizing, which is, which is the right one, which is this, you know, which way do I go? And it's like, when you get into the body, I think the decisions come just very fast. It's yeah. like, you feel it if yeah. it's right and feel it right away if it's wrong. And I, for me, I know when I do that, when I actually sit with myself, if I'm <laughs> case in point, 
my computer died. It went to computer hospital yesterday. Oh, no. Computer hospital has, uh, it turns out, quite a convoluted pricing system where, in fact, they can't continue to diagnose the problem unless you've got to keep paying, even though you don't quite know what the outcome will be. Oh, no. Um, and I, would, I went into total VATA decision-making meltdown. Like the guy even rang me last night to say, okay, this is the next step. It's going to be another $150. And I could not, for the life of me, decide whether I would just come and pick the thing up or <laughs> pay him to continue the fixing process. Like I, re- I said, I'll have to call you back tomorrow. I took your advice. We talked about it. Oh, we talked about it. I'm going to you tomorrow. It's $150 for a computer fix. When, when you have a business that needs a computer, anyway, I am like out there with, and, I, and then I realized I was being absurd. Okay, sit with this. What do you actually feel right now? And the feeling that came up was residual poverty consciousness fear around the money. Like mm. uh, here's me. I've taken a back step back into freaking out about oh, what, this is a hundred and or what are we up to now? $250. I didn't know I would have to spend and I, it. And the indecision wasn't about, do I need my computer back? It was right. just this old patterning about I'm frightened because now there's this money. I didn't know I needed to, I have right. the money. I need the computer. The body says, relax. How lucky you've got the money. You need like, here's someone who can fix it today. Go do it. But, but just trying to think about it with my brain because I, because all of that fear was old fear was coming at me. I couldn't, couldn't make a decision because I was trying to just use the brain and not the, not feel it in my body. Wow. Such a great example. It's so stupid. <laughs> so this is, you know, but we're not, about- it was an opportunity for a lot of learning. Yes, and also <clears throat> for me to model the important feminine leadership quality of vulnerability. <laughs> we all get to be on the journey. <laughs> and generosity with yourself. Yes, that's right. Not beating myself up about, Amy, it's a effing computer, just figure it out. Yeah. Right. And spending money on yourself, spending money on your business, which I know you teach other people how to do. I know. Oh, gosh. Like I'll give Mark Zuckerberg you know, as much money as I possibly can, but the computer man? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so this idea of, you know, if you want to make a great decision, you need to have an embodiment practice. You need to be in tune with what your body wisdom is telling you, that we're not just these brains in a meat suit. We're actually an integrated you know, piece of the divine. And and one of the things I'm so excited about uh, taking folks on retreat to do this really important work is that there is a lot of time and space for uh, for yoga asana and pranayama and particularly because it is the Shivananda method. Because I think that even um, I still, I actually increasingly believe that even yoga classes now can be seen as just something that you must tick off the to-do list. If I'm going to be a good person, I just need to make sure that I've tick, tick, tick. Yes. Okay. I've done my vinyasa tick. I can feel okay about myself because I've ticked the box as opposed to actually I'm going to invest this time and energy in embodiment and I'm going to be present with the practice. And I think Shivananda is just such a great way to do that because you're not rushing in and out. It's not about accomplishment. It's about presence. Yeah, that's such a great distinction. It's really not about accomplishment. It really is just about being in the asanas and enjoying them and holding them steady, mm-hmm. that steadiness. You know, we all, I think, when I think of good decision makers, they have that steadiness of mind. They mm-hmm. aren't consumed by vata, like, you know, what 
can happen to the best of us. Mm. And we're in such busy lives and we're pulled by our phone and our, on all the bells and ticks and all the notifications and right. So the Vata is even more stimulated. Shivananda yoga is such a good antidote to that because it's um, paced and it's uh, the same sequence more or less every time. So you really Mm. get some mind mastery as you practice and we'll be there for a full seven days. So people will really be able to get into the rhythm of the practice, which is such a gift because when you go to an ashram, especially the Shivananda ashram, if you go for only two or three days, your first time, I think you really don't get enough time to settle into the rhythm. It's, it's just too much of a shock for the system <laughs> um, to really adjust. But the fact that we made this, we, we deliberately made this a, yeah. a good length retreat because we wanted to go deep into all of this, not make it cursory or in any way superficial. We were really going for depth and that includes depth in the Hatha yoga practice as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you're, so attuning to body wisdom uh, as far as will you be supported to do that on our retreat? Tick. Yes, absolutely. What do, I can't remember from our schedule, but there's, we're doing definitely there's a yoga every day and then there's like a, maybe an optional other yoga every day. Yeah. I think as a group, we're going to do yoga together every yeah. morning. And then in the afternoon, you'll have your choice of whether you join the group class or you just use the time for the ocean or for a walk or whatever you want to use it for, but we'll definitely practice together as a group to create that community and, and build our energy uh, and sync and synchronicity with one another. I'm so excited about being your yoga student. Oh yeah, (laughs) me too. (laughs) 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 Nervous, excited. No, it's going to be good. I love it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the only yoga I teach, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I love that too, owning your lane. Like I, I, I just do one thing and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's us, Peter, women. What can we say? So then the fourth point for making great decisions is, is, is make the decision and then move on. And Ooh, I like that. Yes, right, like slice it off. And like you said, it's not about... Um, there may be repercussions that you didn't see coming that you might decide you'd want to name negative or positive, but that the constantly looking backwards isn't in service to your development, your progress and, and being out in front, which is really uh, allegorically what leadership is about. So making the decision and then moving on. Yeah. Yes. That's huge. I think, there's a big difference between second guessing and changing your mind, right? So yes, tell us more. Yes, always make another decision. If you get more information, let's say you make a decision, shit starts going haywire. <laughs> you can reevaluate. You can change your mind, right? You can make a different decision. That's different than I made this decision and I'm agonizing. Is it the right one? What's going to happen? I don't know. What if I made the wrong choice? And and that takes so much energy. And as yogis, I think we are trying to be really conscious of how we use our energy and use it in ways that are productive and aligned and, you know, from the place of um, sattva, right? Like the the steady state. And second guessing to me is just like that guna of rajas of the of going back and things in movement and always second guessing versus 
just saying, I'm just going to let things happen. And if I need to change my mind and make a different decision, I can, you know, that's allowed. Yes. Yes. It's just a decision after a decision after a decision rather than, oh no, maybe this, maybe that sort of flip flopping. One of my mentors, I don't know if this is accurate or not. This is not my area of genius by any means. She talks about the root word of the root, whatever you call it, of decision of the word decision is actually to cut. And I like Mm -hmm. that. Like you cut it and then you move forward again. And maybe a, a decision that is, um, as a result of an earlier one will need to be made in the future, but that's not second guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That I used to really struggle with decision-making. I mean, I just want to say that everything we're talking about here, it's like the principles are easy, but the application by no means, you know, so, so, so simple, but I really used to struggle with decision-making because I was so wrapped up in, did I make the right choice? You know, exactly what we're talking about going Mm -hmm. back, and second guessing and trying to get it right, that perfectionism piece. And luckily, I think a lot with this practice and all the spiritual practices and yoga, uh, that's been very much alleviated, much more comfortable making decisions. And I think we'll spend a good amount of time talking about decision making on the retreat because it's such an important piece of leadership. Yes. And I also find that I remember having this as one of my intentions for the year because I recognized that I had this debilitating tendency to delay decisions and it showed up in all sorts of crazy ways. Um, and so I made it my, my goal for a, year, a few years ago to, to become faster and better and more confident about making decisions. And it's still a work in progress. I'm you know, not like the master of it, but man, did it change things for me. And in really like unforeseen ways, like saving money, you know, I would agonize about, which day do I want to fly out to teach my, and I would wait until the week before the flight, you know, it's thousands of dollars if I had have just decided months before these sorts of things that just unnecessary turmoil and like digestive tract kind of situations because I was just yeah. sitting in discomfort. And, and I guess what you could say is that that's a choice in itself, right? Like I was choosing indecision. I love that you just said that about how we choose not to decide and starting to own that. I've talked about this in other mindset workshops that I've done, how a lot of times we use indecision and not making a choice as a way of not owning our power and not taking responsibility, not taking responsibility for the outcome either way that because responsibility is so scary. And I think we don't always acknowledge how responsibility adverse we can be, right? And the responsibility and the, and the responsibility of being a leader, the responsibility of making decisions, we can shy away from it and to our detriment. And when we don't make a decision, we are deciding not to decide, right, by, by default. And then we have to own the responsibility that comes from failing to decide. Yes. Because there are consequences to not deciding. You had to pay $1,000 more for a plane ticket because you didn't decide. Yes. You know, if I don't decide about where I'm going to live, I have to deal with the consequences of not making that decision. Or if I don't decide to move forward in one avenue of my business, yeah. the business isn't going to go forward, right? So. But then we, we think our mind plays a trick on us and says, oh, well, you're not responsible. You didn't make that decision. Mm. And, 
but we don't realize, but we did make the decision. We made the decision not to decide and we don't take responsibility for that piece. And I really think that work around getting comfortable, taking being comfortable with responsibility, being really comfortable owning all of our choices, that work will make us such better leaders yeah. because yeah, we are yeah. able to, to be comfortable with that power. Yes. I love that. Folks, yeah. we're just, we've been talking here about the four steps to making great decisions as a leader. I'll, I'll go over them again if you're taking notes. Uh, one is about the importance of creating space, that if you're, if you're energetically or holding space, go watch that video. Um, if you're, if you're <laughs> cluttered energetically, mentally, if you're not taking contemplative practice, it's very difficult to get clarity in order to make decisions you feel good about. Number two is having a clean body and mind. If you're tired or stressed or you're not eating well, um, or, you know, if you're, if you're sick, again, very hard to make great decisions. So supporting yourself, uh, feeling well, taking great self-care, all are really important. Uh, number three, use your body more than your brain, like be mindful of conditioning or programming and go with your gut or go with your heart. And like Nicole said, that's always going to be the fast response. Anything that's taking longer to bubble up is probably coming from a different place. And so getting back into your embodiment practices, if you're one of those yoga teachers who doesn't do yoga anymore, like reclaim it. And then the fourth one, being decisive in your decision-making, make the choice and then move on. And if as a result, you need to make another decision, make it, which is different to second guessing yourself. Good list. Yeah, these are great. <sighs> so good. Where, where were they when I was trying to figure out my computer? Yes, I had to find a friend. I mean, man. But you needed that example for today. <laughs> Thanks, universe. After yeah. we finish this, I'm going to call the computer man and apologize. <laughs> Thanks for being my teacher. Folks, <laughs> <laughs> if you are uh, intrigued about the retreat that uh, Nicole and I are ecstatic about, you need to go check out the link, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash leadership. We're not messing around. Like we're so white hot about this topic and, um, <laughs> and creating a place where we can do this deep work together and also replenish and refill the containers that we've been talking about as essential today for making great decisions. Uh, as you can tell, Nicole has so much wisdom to share with us um, and the work that she's done and the work that she shares in, in her community is just powerful and you will want to be a part of it. So go take a look at the retreat. It does start on the 30th of May. And as we have been saying, no joke, uh, we only have a limited number of beds <laughs> because, because it's a busy place, not a busy, uh, it is a full and beautiful place. So check it out. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash leadership. Nicole and I will be back tomorrow with the final installment of our spiritual leadership podcast series. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we're going to have a good time on that one as well. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks so much, Amy. I hope you enjoyed that fabulous yogi superstar. Want more from me? Subscribe to this podcast or follow me on Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Talk again soon.